Hello, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. Here on the cast, we discuss everything emotions through the lens of attachment, the nervous system, and internal parts work. We're a little irreverent and like to have fun exploring the emotional issues and dynamics that interest us. So come along and hang out. Let's explore the fascinating lands of emotions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the So Emotional Podcast. I'm Angela Wetzel, and this is Nick Carl. Thank you. Right? Yeah. And um, we are here just chatting about anything that we want to chat about. That's right. <laughs> um, and basically, this is for everyone, I guess, fellow travelers on our emotional journey in a way that just feels fun and honest and irreverent. And yeah, I don't know how else to explain that. Yeah, it's an exploration. Yeah. Exploration. Yeah. There you go. I've got a bullet point for you. Something obviously we discussed. Expectations and entitlement in relationships. Right. Right. We're going to talk yeah. about that. So this podcast episode was inspired by uh, a lot of things, but mostly with an interesting theme happening in my life lately that actually has been happening my whole life. And um, in order to not be like super discreet about it, it has to do with non-reciprocal uh, relationships or like crushes or fantasy relationships and me being mostly on the receiving end of that. Although I've definitely been in the other, on the other side of that too. So it's, kind of just talking about like men and women and relationships and like that weird, super awkward, cringeworthy sometimes like, you know, what do you say? What do you do when someone is like, I really like you and I love you. And you're like, I don't feel the same way. Ugh. Right? Ugh, Ugh. so yeah so uh. oh, so bad I'm like i think on both sides it's really uh because it's like absolutely you know part of it is like i'm rejecting i feel like i'm rejecting someone or i'm hurting someone and on the other side it's like oh i'm being rejected and it's so shameful and humiliating and sucks when it's like does it really have to be probably not but you know i i just I just feel like perhaps at the core of it is like some kind of codependent enmeshment type patterns or, you know, we feel overly responsible or we don't view people as like empowered. And so that's what we're going to unpack. The ooey gooey nature too of being sort of the one who's projecting out, you know, is a very, I think, weak place to come from. You know, it's like, I've been fantasizing about you and, you know, like coming to somebody in that with like a lot of pre preconceived things is like, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's like a strong place to come from either. Right. So, anyway, so, so what do you got? You got to, how do, how do we, how do we story, story this out? <laughs> I've got some stories. I'll tell you what. What was the first bullet point we were going to talk about? Um, well, it, it says. Property? The entitlement to feel good and live is the one oh. I know. Oh, yeah. So it's like we 
Oh, that. <laughs> right. So one of the drives of this, right? The drive, yeah. The drive of uh, having a totem in your mind, which is, which is probably one of like the sort of like I don't know the the white motivations, the good motivations underneath of it all, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, and by totem, I think what Nick is is saying is like what I would describe as like having that fantasy relationship where perhaps someone puts you in a, in a tower or up on a pedestal and then has like builds a relationship with you that is not very two-sided. It's like your relationship with this person, like you may have had an actual relationship, um, you know, years ago, or maybe there was never a relationship or maybe it was a friendship or whatever, but in any case, like somehow this relationship where it ended off in person, they picked up in their mind and then held on to certain aspects of that relationship and then have been replaying those moments and maybe building on them and perhaps like building future moments and possibility. And then there can be like a whole, like, oh, I dream of us doing this together or being together. And I actually think this can actually happen in relationships too. Absolutely. Where like we future trip or like, oh, I'm really, uh, I could see this going places or I, I can see our children. I can see our home. I can see this is gonna be so great. And then it's like, there's something about that that is kind of keeping us out of like the reality of the present moment. And then that's where things get really weird, funky in some ways, because attachment does happen like in our brain, like what we tell our brain is happening. Our brain is like, this is happening. Mm. And so when we are fantasizing, we actually are building chemical um, hormonal attachments at the same time, even without the presence of another person. So it's actually strengthening these like attachment loops and positioning this person as like an attachment figure, which then becomes more difficult, like in the face of a breakup then it's like really missing that person and then continuing to like think about them and like visit their Facebook page or their Instagram page. Even when you know you shouldn't is like kind oh, of God. keeping those attractions alive. Right. Yeah. I've totally done that. <laughs> I've done that too. Oh, and like the, uh, the feelings that come up or I maybe did it today. Oh, right. God. Or, <laughs> or, or when you like see that they have a new partner oh, that like is dashing some of the re the the fantasies that you have or bringing up like your attachment wounds of betrayal or abandonment or whatever else so it's just such a and we've been talking about this like gordian knot gordian knot of just like shit and layers of shit layers on layers layers on layers and um so yeah, like the the reason why we were talking about like dr like drive and instinct and entitlement, um, and I'm trying to like think of a good way to relate it to this whole thing because it's almost like how we get into relationships. I feel like it almost must come from a place of 
entitlement and like drives because there's like yeah. sexual drives and our drives to like connect and attach which are so very human and instinctive and instinctual right. and if we don't have that like basic level of worthiness um to even like reach out and connect to people like if we didn't have that instinctively like inherently built into us as children as babies like we would have died because we we wouldn't even cry out we wouldn't reach out for connection so i feel like those drives are i think and that entitlement even to be like yeah i'm expecting this like i'm expecting when i cry that someone responds Mm-hmm. Otherwise, without the, that expectation or even the entitlement that I deserve that, then why would I expend any energy, right? Yeah, there absolutely feels uh, we were talking about uh, attractors and repellers, you know? Okay, so just in my life, this yeah. uh, this situation feels very much as an attractor, like it's pulling me in, like that I need to feed, right? I need energy as in like getting my attachment needs met right and it's just like pulling me in uh mm-hmm. pulling me in really strongly um <laughs> when you talked earlier about uh when you talked earlier about uh so i wanted to say about the totem about like my own totem that i have have been playing around with in my head over the past say a uh, couple of years um that I was in a relationship that ended and it ended uh, it ended because of of like feeling uh, I was being uh, trapped that I was was trapped by something right and so I ended a relationship and moved away but always there was a relationship (laughs) with this totem with the thing that's like hanging around like let's give her a name let's let's give her a new name like a new name yeah, like like what's I don't know what's like kind of a fun fantasy name. Sally. Is that sexy for you? No. <laughs> Sally was my old Sally. dog's name. Um, how about uh, I don't know, Galadria? Well, whatever. Let's just call her. Uh, mm, you say Galadria? Galadria, yes. I've never heard that name. <laughs> we'll call her Galadria. This is fine. Okay. Gladria. I've never Gladria. heard of that. Okay, so that's a great fantasy name because it okay. sort of sounds like like from She-Ra or He-Man or something. Right. So Gladria Yeah, so what's my what like what's my motivation for even starting anything with Gladria, right? It's it's like, "Hey, I have I have needs." Mm-hmm. And they're not like they're not like they're not outlined or sort of like spoken or like clearly defined it's just like oh i feel compelled to go towards you and and uh you're going to give me these needs you know uh but at some point at some point and for me this is like my expression like that becomes untrustworthy uh you know which is Mm -hmm. just part of my part of my attachment blueprint or sort of like the things that i my own personal injuries right do you mean what you feel attracted to like pulled to like you can't trust those instincts or that she becomes an untrustworthy thing when there's more risk yeah she becomes an untrustworthy thing when there becomes more risk like when you're actually beginning to attach then it's like oh i don't trust the connection because she's not yeah 
this is not a, this is not a good situation for me. Okay, I got so it. So I get out of the situation, get myself out of the situation, but it was uh, it never like left my sphere of influence. It was always just like hanging around there, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think about then that I'm fully in like a disconnected place of uh, you know of fantasy. It's pure fantasy. And so was it fantasy before? It's a little bit fuzzy, but like out of the relationship now, I'm totally in a fantasy place, and. I think like eight or ten months went by until I started to like contemplate the end of the fantasy. It's like she doesn't care about me anymore. She's not in my life. And I went into a fucking total panic, like way freak out. Right. And, wow. and then it was like it was like around that same time. It was like a couple of days later where I go and check her Facebook and she 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 got married, you know, and it was just like I started having like a. Yeah, real. Wait, wait, wait. When did you check? When did you check the Facebook? Was so, this recently? Like, no, this is this is a few years ago. Okay, so like, okay, so that, also today. Also to... today. Yes. <laughs> Full disclosure. Okay, this also is the today. one. Also. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like a follow up to see if like the marriage is good. You know I, what? Like what the? You know, like I tried to hang with it today. Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? What is this? And, and uh, it's so uh, it it comes with such little uh, information like there's just a drive there's just a pull it's just like you know like feeling out like you know like where like you know where are you I, I need you I don't know know what I need but I need something right right but uh, can I ask you a question yeah. or no no okay my question is what do you think that fantasy was protecting you from like like okay so there was like the breakup like the breakup needed to happen i think from what it sounds like it was just like the level of like risk and challenge was like too much too much there was just like too much dysregulation it just wasn't yeah. safe absolutely and so it was like this has to end and so it seemed like perhaps there was a part of you that was like well this shit's ending and maybe another part that's like well he's not ready for that you know maybe or i'm, I'm just curious like what what is your perspective or take on that? Like what the fantasy was actually protecting you from confronting or like, how did it, yeah. How did it protect you or help you? I, <laughs> I don't think that it, like, I don't think that it did help me. Right. It helped me to feel terrible. It helped me to feel isolated. It helped me to feel like that I couldn't connect with people, that I couldn't get my needs met, that like trying to get my needs met was like a fool's errand. You know, that's what it felt like. It felt like that uh, the, that there was a piece of me that got left there. When I left, like the piece of me that needed things was still there and still being tortured by being there. Uh so I don't I like I don't. so maybe um I'm trying to because like I feel like these things even though they're not always like super clear that there's like a reason why those strategies like exist or you know like like there's that saying like the 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 medicine like becomes the poison so maybe it was medicine at one point given like an early relational like childhood context and then maybe now in adult life, it's like so painful. It's like poisonous. Mm. And so it's like adding or, or viewing like what was poisonous back then is actually now the medicine because now you're an adult and you can like go back and like do things and take back your power. 
but I almost wonder like maybe because that was such a high risk, like high challenge thing that was super dysregulating, like maybe it was a way to um, keep you from connecting with other people temporarily while like, so you were still like, um, like this, this is too risky, too much challenge. Like maybe it kept you from getting into something new. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I'm just kind of curious around that. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there is, I still feel like there's some kind of disconnect to like, what, like how, how does the totem, how does this thing like separate away from just being integrated into the person? Right. That's the thing that like, cause it, cause it feels, I don't know. The more that I, you know, uh, work on staying present with my own emotional needs and not letting, uh, not letting the fantasy sort of take over, uh, it just leads to this question of like, okay, well, if, if the fantasy, you know, if the fantasy is not going to run the show, then like, what do we get to sort of experience, you know, uh, that I still, that I can like embody, I can embody like more, uh, consciously, a real expectation to like move forward in the world and be like, you know, no, I can get whatever I need. You know, like that's okay. So I don't know. I, th I think that maybe it's that, uh, some kind of not trusting that you can get your needs met, that it has to become a, like some kind of dream, you know, I don't know. So actually I just thought of something, um, that I wrote and let, if I can find my note really fast. Uh, la, la. It's not that note. Wait, if I can find it. Okay, this is what I wrote. Let me know if it makes sense, but it relates to this. Okay. The function of internalized trauma is to take control of a flawed perception of our own being and turn it into something we can do in hopes of changing it. So it's kind of like, repetition mm. compulsion so it's like that internalized like instead of viewing our caretakers as like bad or wrong or incapable or all those other things that we could have it's like internalizing that like shame internalizing all of those things so that it gives us something to do because there's like some because otherwise we would attribute it to um well, it's, it's like thinking there's something wrong with our being. So then we decide to do things instead to overcome that. So it's almost like, did it give you things to like strive for, to work on, to continue to, you know, try to master? Did it prolong that, um, that relationship in a way in your brain? Because it was like, similar to what was going on maybe when you were a child can you tell that in a story personal story can you illustrate like, that idea in my own story sure yeah actually maybe i can <laughs> um okay so i don't know how to like summarize this super quickly but i, I will say um watching my own relationships and the types of people, so like I got married when I was, um, had just turned 20 and that person that I married, like that lasted for nine years, like that I would say was 
this like completely unconscious idea of what I thought like marriage and relationship should look like almost like um, it almost felt like I always called this persona or that person who I was. It's not super nice. It's a little self-deprecating, but I used to call her like Betty Croc of shit. <laughs> Is that a Betty Crocker? Because I like, I had a cake stand and I'm like, why the fuck do I have a cake stand? Like, I don't. Uh, you seem like a cake stand kind of lady. Like, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not, I'm not like a cake stand person. And, and I'm like, but I don't even like cake that much. Like I like brownies. Like I would put brownies in there, but Crock it was shit. just like this whole idea of almost this like 1950s 60s like housewife so it was like somebody it was like somebody else's dream i was living like some kind of american dream you know okay. and yeah anyway the thing they say about the american dream is like it only works if you're asleep or something like that right. um and i was totally i was totally asleep and um but also to like people on the outside looking in like I had everything like a really good relationship and I was making lots of money and he made lots of money and we lived in a really like nice half million dollar home. And so, um, there were people were like jealous of that, but, but looking back, it was like that relationship was, I think for me, like pretty, Oh gosh, I don't even know how to explain it. If it was totally counter dependent, it was just completely unconscious. And I think it was like all of my stuff mixed in there. Like all of my, of course, I think all of our relationships are the um, like mixture of what's healed and what's not healed. And there was a lot of unhealed stuff there. And then, um, but I wasn't like ever super attracted to him. That was part of the thing. Like I loved him, but it wasn't I like made sure that it never felt super crazy, you know, like not super attracted, super passionate. It was like, it worked. It was practical, functional. like business functional. Yeah. It almost yeah. seemed like a good business deal mm. in a lot of ways it, it had been. And then it became very, very bad, not good business deal at all. Like super fucked up, dysfunctional. Um, and then the next relationship was like so the opposite like it was very playful and fun and like the roles had reversed so one was more like i think i was feeling more um like i needed help or needed to learn things about the world because i i really didn't have um a lot of foundational like wherewithal I guess about life or whatever and this other relationship I was like teaching and kind of enabling in some ways and again there was like not this attractive attractive piece like I felt like it was disorganized but I felt like more in control I think than my other relationship and then of course there was always a point where I felt like I lost control, you know, where I like loved them too much or I cared too much. And then I lost the upper hand or whatever. Um, and then, so I made a promise to myself. I had like dated a lot in New York, but there was this one guy I was like kind of seeing a little bit. And I was like realizing that I dated men that I wasn't attracted to. And it was a protective strategy of mine. It was like mostly unconscious, but I decided to date men that I was like really attracted to. 
And that changed a lot. It like changed my level of challenge and risk in relationships that I think I wasn't able to approach like back then. Like it would have been just too hot and too terrifying. Mm -hmm. So now I was like doing this and it was very interesting to see the things that showed up, but essentially what it really started activating was like my deep seated abandonment wound, like how deeply abandoned I had felt and this like deep need to be chosen. And um, even though I ended this relationship, what I had wanted for him was to say like, oh, I, I've totally like (laughs) thought about this and now I know what I want. And like, I'm sure like, I want you. Yes. Like I want him to come back and be like, yes, I know it's you. And I'm sure. And whatever. Um, (laughs) I said I was going to relate it and I'm trying to figure out how to relate it back to, okay. Right, right, right. So there's a piece about like abandonment, like feeling abandoned or like unworthy. So if I'm unworthy, And a lot of my unworthiness came like around my emotions, like if I was emotional or it was too much, right? So if I was able to control my emotions and like figure out how to control that, then I could be like accepted and I would be like acceptable and loved or whatever. And I guess I had gotten to a point where I was like rocking that boat which was new where I was like willing to be very vulnerable and very emotional in relationship. But then that self-fulfilling prophecy came around because I actually was, I mean, I was self-abandoning and self-rejecting, but I chose someone that would self like would reject those emotions and be like, this is too much. Too much. Right. Right. Ooh. Now I'm trying very, very Gordian naughty of you. By the yes, way. very naughty. I'm so naughty. Um, yeah. So then I'm trying to like tie it back to this like fantasy part of it. So the the fantasy was like <sighs> it was like keeping this like hope alive that um well, there was a, so that, like trying to observe my instincts or what was going on. Like I, I had really wanted to like reach out and be like helping, like there was a part of me, it was like, oh, he just needs to understand like how important this is or, you know, whatever. And I like sat on my hands. I was like, no, you were not <laughs> like you, you said what you said. He was talking about not feeling a lot of like that he didn't want to commit fully anymore he didn't know if he wanted commitment or monogamy like he said the things like you heard him say the things you're not going to be the person that just waits while he figures things out Mm -hmm. and while it was excruciating to break up with him because I was in love with him like I was like I like adored him seriously um but it just just my brain like all the things I knew like everything just kicked in And I was like, I can't do this to myself. Like I have to choose myself. 
And then, so I, I did that. Like I, I followed through and I sat on my hands and, and um, I had really hoped for a different outcome. Um, and there, there was like the fantasy, I think kind of kept, kept the, the situation like open in my mind, almost hoping for what like Freud would call um, like mastery, like mastering that relationship in hopes that I had changed enough so that I could have like the ending that I wanted, which was not very much about him. It was more about my dad actually choosing me and, and wanting to like have a, a relationship with me. So it wasn't really about a romantic relationship. It was a lot more of um, like a parentified relationship. Was I able to? Yeah, no. <laughs> like, did I bring it all the way around? Because it's like kind of trying to explain a lot in a no. little. It's all there. I can't hold it consciously, all the pieces as it floats around, you know. When you so when you talk about that uh, sort of real, realization of like what the fantasy is opening opening for and what it's doing for you, like, you know how like how does it begin to tell you that it's about that primary relationship with your father? Like, it, is that something that's floating around in your being or your knowing? As right, of how I knew was because the confusion around why he didn't change courses and why he wasn't stepping into claiming all these things. Like it felt so familiar. It was oh. so very exactly the okay. same kind of deep, yeah. like yeah. existential pain Right. that I was like, this is the same feeling I have around yeah. my relationship with my dad. And well, there were lots of other like similarity things too that exist around it, but was interesting. The relationship was very um, healing in a lot of ways where again, this stuff is always a little bit weird when you like, as a person who was having the awareness that there were parental elements in it, it gets, you know, but I'm, I'm a, actually a pretty big fan of like Freud and Lacan and, um, and I feel like a lot of his stuff works. I don't think all of his theories work, but the, the stuff with like the, the parental things and like, um, repetition compulsion and like, um, yeah. mastering relationships. Like, I feel like that stuff is very foundational and, um, and makes a lot of sense. And, um, yeah, but basically I had the awareness in the relationship that what I was struggling with was very much my dad's stuff. Huh. Um, and there were some funny things happening. Like when I started to date men that I was attracted to, cause like they kind of like, it, it's spoken about attraction um, in like terms of polarity. So as for example, like a cisgender heterosexual woman, and it doesn't really matter like what gender you ascribe to um basically we will generally be attracted to our polar like our opposite so for children like how we model attractions is with our opposite gendered parent or opposite energy parent so like as in someone who's like feminine energy 
in both gender and how I prefer to show up energetically because we both have masculine and feminine energy. I could show up like, like there are women that are feminine looking, but, but have predominantly masculine energy and that's how they want to show up in relationship. And there are men that are, um, that are mask in masculine bodies, but have a lot of feminine energy and right. those are their like authentic selves. And so those, those people like can meet up and be in a relationship in a healthy, thriving relationship. Um, but then of course there's also what happens with a lot of people where you can be in like a feminine body and have dominant masculine energy, but that arose out of a survival need. And so it's actually inauthentic. So we still attract our polar opposite. So that woman may attract a, a man like in a masculine, you know, masculine bodied man, if that's who she's attracted to physically wise. And then his um, dominating energy might be wounded feminine in the relationship. And so then there's lots of like, interesting things that happen around like competing needs and like who's playing what roles. So that's like a whole other interesting thing I see a lot, which kind of, uh, it's hard to talk about. It's easier if I would like be able to draw diagrams around it. But basically what I'm saying is for straight women, like a lot of your attraction blueprint is going to come from your opposite gendered parent because there's like polarity that exists. And for men, it'll be like their mothers for women, it'll be their fathers, right? And then um, for for someone who's gay or lesbian, um, then it would be the same gendered parent. So for for gay men, it would be their fathers for lesbians it would be their mothers or right. and then depending on people that are like non binary and whatever it's it's right. more about the energy. Um, but yeah, basically it was kind of weird to know that that was going on in the relationship and that a, a lot of healing was going on where I was like, I feel like I'm spending time with my dad. <laughs> so were you dating the guys, let's say outside, outside of your, your, I don't know how you said it, less attractive guys, right? Mm -hmm. Were you doing that to sort of set you up in a, but like, he's obviously going to choose me because of, you know, well, we'll just. Um, I think it, okay. So I also have a theory that we will gravitate towards our safest um, connection first. Okay. Because the level of risk and challenge is like lower. Right. So sure. I had a much easier, better relationship with my mother and it was super enmeshed codependent. And like, I could say all the things and I'm not going to right now. Yeah. But um, my marriage was very much felt, I think, a lot more like that enmeshed relationship, um, codependent enmeshed relationship. And then, As well, actually, to, yeah. I'm trying to think. No, actually, that one may have been <laughs> even one step out from that, like more counterdependent, because I think being too close to that dynamic would have been difficult as well because there was some level of challenge. So I think it was actually a bit more counter dependent where I was like, 
trying to have some level of control or one and unconsciously, of course, I wasn't doing this consciously, but it almost seemed like I was making a lot of decisions about that relationship, like from my brain and not really from anything here down so much. Right. Um, yeah. And then the relationship after that had more elements of that stuff, I think with my mother, which kind of makes sense to me, like why I didn't feel like a ton of attraction, but I grew to like love them. So I don't know. It's, it's all really interesting and fascinating. When I think about, uh, you know, trying to pull out some kind of nugget, like, uh, like that part about your dad. Right. So whatever the last big relationship that I had and like, uh, <laughs> I remember distinctly, but I don't, I, I didn't ever get any kind of like prints of like, I'm feeling this way, which is very familiar to me. In a lot of ways it was familiar to me mm-hmm. because of, you know, it's just like, uh, sort of the desperate cycle of, of trying to be in relationship with women as a, an adult, you know, since I was like 16, you know, has always been the, you know, like this circle of like, you know, desperately leaning in and then like mm-hmm. fucking running the other direction and just being in this, like, you know, stuck like as like a ping pong ball going back and forth. And then like all mm-hmm. the emotional, just turmoil that that creates. Right. Uh, but also like, I don't have like a great, uh, memory bank when it comes to like, you know, it's like pretty broad strokes from, from childhood, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. There's just like, there's like a, sort of a dark zone. It's like, you know, describing that like, you know, it's like, I have no memories before the age of 15, you know, which is like, um, you know, that's a sign of psychological trauma. Wait, so, is that true that you don't have a lot of memories before 15? Yeah, I felt like I just like woke up and like somebody turned on the computer. I was like pretty happy because the computer seemed like, oh, yeah, fuck, I can think myself out of the paper bag, you know? I'm essentially the smartest person on the planet. You're welcome, you know? <laughs> like, Mm. yeah that'd be a pretty good place to be i mean like it felt that way for a hot minute you know until it all came crashing down you know but uh but it's it's uh as things uh, like manifest and just like precipitate out and you know i go out and live my life there has uh, there hasn't been a great like piecing the thing together it's just like oh a giant feeling dis disembodied like i don't know where you come from and i just feel terrible and you know you just do it over and over until until right. like it almost kills you and you're like well maybe there's a is there anything else and there is <laughs> yeah for the sake of our bullets did i <laughs> well we we're on entitlement right entitlement feel good and we were talking about you know the projective thing right and so the projective totem or like i just it's like some idea there's some there's something that's drawing us into connection or into sort of uh, these realms where then we, with whatever we bring at the time, like we act out these, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, we started off with t- sort of talking about people who are doing that on their own and not in relationship with other people, right. which uh, I don't know. I, th- I just think it's like a testament to how strong these uh, drives and these desires are, right? That you can actually, with yourself, light up an idea, like a whole 
matrices of uh, relationships and things and all these emotional pieces that can just be sort of like hoisted up into your mind and mm-hmm. and lived with and you have have a relationship with right uh, I just think that it's like it, it emerges out of something uh, and they they absolutely are connected there is like a 3d real life thing that's making that happen or making it come up you know what you think right. is uh, like that's what I want to like try to come more into relationship even in my own life right is to to feel feel these stories or the bigger stories or like you know the stories like you're telling about how you're able to kind of put pieces together of these things that were you know foundational for you that were giant energies like they they had a like a distinct imprint on your on your heart and on your being mm-hmm. and then you worked backwards almost you know through time you know to like to come back to the place where you came from you know it's like oh this is a thing you know so yeah but but the entitlement is that like that we all have these strong drives like mm-hmm. i don't know to to get them met you know that like it that it's important that, that like we have we have needs and we have desires and we have like entitlement which uh, is sort of like the doorway open to, to, to dream and to fantasize, you know, but then to probably go out and, uh, interact with people and try to like have relationships and be, you know, right. get our I needs met. That like dream and fantasy is like very much like our desires. It's like, we, we all have desires and things that we, well, and I think the desires come from some of like these basic drives. Like we need to attach and connect as much as we need to breathe. Mm, absolutely. Especially for, you know, babies, like they literally will die without connection, even if right. all their other needs are met. Right. So that entitlement piece, like for connection is super, super strong. And then what moves us forward is like, this imagination and fantasy towards these desire, like these um, drives, desires, like actually being met. And what's interesting is like, in like people that have those and just live there and never translate it into action. There's a reason why it's not being translated into action because it's not, it doesn't feel fully safe. Like that feels mm-hmm. too risky for whatever. Right. It's like too risky to burst that safe bubble of fantasy because that feels like some, it, it, it might be someone's only um, chance or their only experience with like like intimacy or love or connection that isn't tainted by reality, Uh which might be a really painful reality, like their and their home environment or, or the only love that they saw may have been like super chaotic or abusive or, you know, like filled with rage and like all, you know, just all kinds of things like really unstable, really harmful. and, And maybe the only connection they've ever known has been, people blowing past all of their boundaries, you know, just there, there being no safety and closeness. And yet what happens when we need safety and connection with someone else so much, and we're not, not able to get that in reality, then we need to construct something to keep us alive or like that there's a hope for 
some chance of this being possible so that we can move forward towards it. Right. Or, <laughs> or yeah, like what if you, ha- what, what do you have if you don't have your fantasy, right? All you have is pure pain, right? Yeah, if you have, have a shitty else. reality, yes, there's yeah. like. No, I and- mean like <laughs> the daydream, you know, I, I daydream for, you know, half my life, you know. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Right. And and so it's like, well, then what do we risk by, um, by testing that fantasy, like out in the real world, then we risk maybe losing the only thing that we have, especially when like reality is so cruel and awful and shitty, whatever over here, then it's like, it, it puts like what we have kind of elevated or put on a pedestal or thought of as hope, like in dashing those hopes, then it's like, well, what do we have to actually live for or move towards? Mm-hmm. So we don't always want the confirming or disconfirming evidence of that re- like possibility because it might be too painful if we were to be right disappointed by it or if we were to fail right well it's like your dream is your last stronghold you know and so if your dream gets shattered then what do you have left but what i think that you know at least happened for me is that like i got caught in the dream like a long time ago when i didn't have resources to be like as an adult right Mm -hmm. um and then it just uh through just through habit and just sheer repetition and nobody really told me otherwise you know or showed me otherwise you know that uh living out through my adult life still relying on the dream right relying on the fantasy right um so like uh (laughs) you know we talked about the practice of like shattering your Like bursting your fantasy bubble. Bursting your fantasy. Or shattering the illusion. Right. Through rejection. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, yeah, I don't know. So as adults, I don't know. <laughs> Is it, can it be helpful to shatter, like uh, bring people into reality? to shatter dreams you know i I mean i don't know i I think probably probably that's a protective mechanism that is still like being employed all the time for people who need it because they don't have anything else right right yeah yeah like definitely there are people with disorganized attachment like fearful avoidance um that intimacy has never felt safe so it's it's something that they need or something that they hold on to and like coping strategies, they work as long as they work. And sometimes they become like super painful. Um, and then it's like, then we have to like venture outside of, or, you know, or maybe that bubble gets burst and we don't do the, we're not the one who goes out, but it it gets burst. And then it's like, well, then we have to come up with like a new strategy or a new dream. And then we have to like figure things out. But, um, I think it is good to, I mean, the the way that I work and the way I like to try to approach life as sometimes is like as a relationship, like anthropologist to like try to 
through sort of a non-attachment lens, not like detachment, but to like zoom out and just say, okay, what if I see this situation with like curiosity and what if I don't hold on to outcomes? And like, what if this person isn't the only person in the world, you know, like all those things, right. Which can feel very dangerous and also potentially, right. Like I'm going to die or yeah. Like if I'm not connected to this one person, like nothing exists outside of this one person, which I view as a very like um, child to parent kind of like orientation. If we like we can have either like a uh, hyper attachment, like, like too much attachment. It's not really healthy for us. Okay. Or we could be in a place of like total detachment where we just don't try to hold on to anything at all because it's just like, I give up. Uh-huh. And what we want to be is like in the middle, like find the, the sweet spot of non-attachment to like, of course, in the moment connection being with people but no know, knowing that we can rely on ourselves and um be securely attached within ourselves knowing that we have sovereignty as adults to create new connections that we we are creators and that we can find new connections and put ourselves into safe relationships and and when we need to, we can move in and out of relationship. Right. Just respond to whatever is actually right. happening in the moment. Right. And and like non-attachment is one of the ways that we can actually, I think, best um, like have healthy relationship dynamics because then we're not holding, like gripping onto something and, and betraying ourselves and like giving up everything just to have this one person and twisting ourselves into a pretzel to make this work. Because if this doesn't work, we will die. Right. Because I, I definitely think that's more of like the anxious attachment perspective. Like yeah. it's like love addiction. I will die without this other person who has become my primary attachment figure. I will die without them. I cannot right. survive without this. Yeah. And the other side, this very like detached thing can come from I think more avoidant wounding where it's like I have been so very wounded and hurt in relation to other people that I just don't fucking care anymore I'm just gonna give up and it's like you know how do we come to the middle in like trusting ourselves when it comes to relationships to practice kind of like I mean, not to get all Lion King, but like the circle of life, you know, like the hoop, uh, like things coming down the river and going and like allowing yeah. things to change, like allowing like when this partner goes that we don't let our identity like go with them, but that we step up and and dream new dreams and create new things. And then, you know, like decide that we're worth like life is worth living even if it's just us experiencing us of course like it's juicier when we're experiencing in in relation to other people like in connection relationship like it's so much more juicy but what are we really doing i think we're experiencing ourselves like with other people or we're experiencing ourselves like by ourselves so it's all kind of like a 
I don't know. I sort of because it's all filtered through our perspective. Yeah. So I still feel like we're the ones. It's a you know. creative dance. Yeah. 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 Okay, I went a little off topic. <laughs> I went a little meandered, but the rejection piece, like, uh, so this is. I guess basically, it, it would this would be me like kind of owning. Okay, I can tell this story because like, I don't really know this person, but, and you know the story about these um, letters that started showing up at oh, my yeah. doorstep. Right. So <laughs> I have been told that I'm very attractive and pretty. I've been accused of attractiveness and- You bet. Um, <laughs> and I have had lots of male attention. Uh, not all of it, most of it not really wanted, but you know, it just, it is what it is. And, um, but there, there's been a piece for me, like as a female, but also I think coming from some of my own enmeshed behavior, like, um, codependent relationship with my mother growing up where I felt, I feel like I have to protect people's feelings and I don't want to be like the bad person to burst their bubble or let them down because it, it probably boils down to like, if they're not happy or they're not safe, then I'm not safe. Mm -hmm. And so I have all these like different things that come up when I'm like, I'm going to reject this person. And I do, it's not like I, I date people that I don't want to date or like that I just end up in relationships that I don't want to. It's not like that. It's more like maybe not being as direct as I could or, or if I had certain like friendships with males, I might have suspected that they had feelings for me. And then eventually they'll be like, hey, I have feelings for you. And I'll be like, to tell you something well like sometimes it's like that and other times it's just like it's just different the way the way it's i'm told is like different okay and like it's very interesting to me to be like i don't know like like the 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 projection screen for like desire for male desire you know what i mean it's like I showed up and like this is my flesh suit <laughs> you know what I mean and it's so it's just kind of weird to be I don't know how to explain that it just feels weird to be me and to have like this attention for for things that I feel like I don't have a lot of control over does that right. make sense yeah well I mean I don't have responsibility for anything or for anybody's stuff and like walking around nobody puts a goddamn thing on me ever right so it's like I I can sort of understand like how like when something is foisted upon me about how like of a alien and disgusting feeling for me anyway when I am foisted upon right it's like not cool it's like I like your word foist yeah it, foisted. yeah so you get foisted and it's like and you didn't have a choice it's like yeah kind of and like you know but what's one your relationship way of looking... with it. Yeah, like one way it can almost feel like masturbatory, like they're very much like, oh, you're so great. You're so this. And I'm like, yes, while I am, I have great qualities and great things. Like I have, I feel like I have a pretty good self-esteem. 
but in some on some level I'm like gosh like this is really gross in a way because I'm like this like I'm not this perfect fucking thing you know and then I'm wondering also like is there a part of me that like wants to be seen that way or wants to be seen as the good person so then of course you and I've talked about this like how am I contributing somewhat to the dynamic and and I don't want to say like I'm fully responsible for everything because I think that can be unfair but it's like where there's like charge or where there's like resistance or triggering it's like okay that stuff is mine and you know um I don't know I guess about the rejection piece there is a squirmy squiggly part of me that's like I don't want to hurt their feelings I want to be really kind because you didn't want to hurt mom's feelings right right but also (laughs) there's a part of me that is like filled with rage and is like wants to be like Kali like the destroyer and like fucking say awful things and hurt their feelings very much and just be so mean that they run away crying like i hope to make them cry and run away okay so like uh so how does it present to you so it's like you described i don't want to hurt your feelings which feels kind of like a sheepish energy it's like like it feels soft like soft and a little ooey like i don't want to hurt their feelings yeah i want to take care of them you know opposed to I want to fucking kill you, you know? Mm. Like, so, like, are they next to each other? Is it sort of like one level and then the other one sort of... No, they're not next to each other. It's kind of like, you know, let's say I'm told, okay, someone tells me they like me. Okay. Mm. Cool. Um, And then I know, like, I don't, I'm not interested in them that way, whatever. But then it's like, I think if it keeps going and I've, I've not reciprocated but I'm being nice or like, even there's probably a part of me that's like probably caretaking like a little, maybe like operating with kid gloves, but not, not like, I don't even know. Cause I don't feel like I'm super, super caretaking type person, but a little, I feel like there's a little stuff there mm-hmm. um, where I'm just like, I want to be a good person. I want to be a nice human and be responsible, like in a good Samaritan way, you know? I don't know. I blame my my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> oh, you're a Catholic. That's nice. Yeah, like it's the whole Jesus. Like be like Jesus, you know, like what would Jesus do? And then I think what happens is like maybe if I was more of a bitch up front, they would just be like, well, fuck you. And they would go away. But because I, and like I'm sure there's like a happier, healthier medium Right. As opposed to like zero or a hundred, like right. super nice and like, fuck you. Right. And, um, and like uh, from what you were talking about, there was there wasn't just one note. It was like the second note or the third note or the fifth note or whatever it was like, you know, which is, uh, you know, it's changing. So somebody could come to you and say something to you and it's all like in the moment. Right. You're just going to respond mm-hmm. to what's in the moment. I'm just curious about the different layers, right? So that the Gordian knot. So it's like there are separate layers that you get access to depending on what's happening in the moment, right? And so Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you can be one energy or you can be this other energy. And there's probably even a couple more that are just a little bit more subtle that flash by really quickly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
there was something else that I, oh yeah. There is an element of, um, oh yeah. So there's actually an element of like disgust almost. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh, it's weak, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like there's definitely like a weak, and there's like a weird, I think one up, one down thing where I am like the empowered, responsible one and they are weak and need my help Sniveling. or whatever. Yes. Right? So there's that. So there's almost like a layer of like a little bit of disgust in there i think too and then it's like but there's like a lot of compassion and softness though as well like it's all like mixed in there Uh like like we had said the gordian knot is is like a good thing because there's all these different threads right in there and then um there's there's also a piece where um I don't know how else to explain it other than sometimes I feel like I'm a member of like the bro club because I've always been like a tomboy and I was like in the army and I've just like had lots of male friends and been in lots of male organized, you know, I've been like the only female and like lots of male dominated. So you know how to, you know how to bro out. Yeah. Like I can bro out in ways that don't feel like I'm betraying myself. Like they don't feel inauthentic, but of course, sure. If we were to talk about like the patriarchy or like the negative aspects of patriarchy, then who knows? Like perhaps they're like I am egregiously trespassing on my own femininity or something in some ways. But there's there's definitely that a piece of that too, where I almost feel like yeah, like I, I feel like we should be like bros. Like I feel like I want to just be bros or friends and so um like earlier earlier in my life like I would have like comments made and I would just be like kind of let them roll off because I would just be like no big deal right so (laughs) but I think it was always a big deal okay yeah and then right so and, and like maybe that's some form of like dissociation or like, just I'm to, cool. I can handle this. Just I'm super guys. cool. This doesn't bother me. Just I'm the like guys. I'm a woman, but you know, I'm totally a dude. Like beside the point. I totally have huge balls. Like I'm yeah. so cool. Um, wherever that comes from. But then there was this piece of like there's it almost feels like there's like a point sometimes where someone will actually cross the line, and it's like clearly like in some ways in my brain the way that I'm like looking at the whole thing like like as a coach or like if I were to like listen to someone else talk about it the level of my reaction tells me that there may have been other proactive boundaries that I could have set so that I didn't find myself like reactively defending like having that energy show up to reactively like defend myself like that it's just a perspective that I have um, as like as like a potential thing. But whenever I feel like there's a line crossed, for example, if they're like, I have these feelings for you and like, I, I really love our friendship. I don't want to mess up our friendship, you know, saying all these things. And then the second there's like stepping away from that into something that feels incongruent or inconsistent to what they have just stated where it's like 
making another joke beyond that, like a sexual joke where they've just stated that like our friendship was important, then it's like something about that is like, to me feels like the total violation. And then it's just like rage. I want to kill you. Right. Yeah. I want to kill you. I want to like, yeah. Dismember you. And so as you're telling a story, like I, I can't remember a specific part, but I, from coming from the other side of like doing that, like pushing yeah. that boundary and then doing it one more time. Right. Yeah. It's just, uh, whatever that totem, that thing, the fantasy that lives there, like it, cause it still does, uh, like it protrudes into, like, it's trying to like manifest out into reality. Right. Like it wants to be real yeah. or you want it to be real. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll get caught in, in kind of like in between where it's like you're talking to the real person but the, mm. the fantasy person is here like really pushing in you know and so it's like blah, 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 you know it's like well i don't want to like uh, jeopardize what we have but like but really the thing that is m- more pressing here is what is leaning in on me here and so that's like that's what's going to make me say the next thing or or you know is it in like hopes that it will be reality. Is it like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, Oh, she will finally get it. Like she will then reciprocate. Yeah. But I feel like the manifestation as it comes through is really super twisted because it's, it's not like you're coming up with some grand scheme or plan or like actually bringing it in a way that's like charismatic. And, you know, like at least for me anyway, it was always like very assholes and elbows. It was very like, it was very like kinky, like just like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, hey, I'm saying things that are, are uh, you know, sell like semi inappropriate, you know, or it's just like not forthright or like transparent about like what is coming through right now, you know, because it's there's yeah. a reaction to. Right. It makes and, me think. And, and I have seen like the Kali energy then come through. It's like you sort of like push in and then like you can you'll hit it and you'll just know because it's like it flashes in an instant. It's like holy shit now yeah okay well i've really fucked up like i really went on over the line there you know like uh i don't know i i i, I when you <laughs> when you said that like it's just like you know reminding me of like stupid little th- you know little things yeah right and actually it's funny because oh my god i'm having the realization that i too actually have done that at one point inadvertently, although it wasn't sexual. Oh God, this is like, it's so funny. I hadn't like thought about it. And now I realize that, um, oh, so long story short, uh, it's got it's crazy. Anyway, so there was a guy okay. and um, sorry, I'm trying to think of how much story I want to tell, but basically when I was married, um, I am like, tend to be like pretty loyal or at least very singular focused, like in my relationships, like very much not. You're in it. Right. Yeah. I was like in, and that, in that, in my marriage, I was in, there were other relationships that there was um, actually more intimacy and security. And then I would notice my avoidance stuff come up and I would be like, I'm shopping. Now I'm shopping. (laughs) So in my marriage, I was, I wasn't shopping Um, until I think later. And there was like love starvation and all kinds of stuff happening that I wasn't aware of, but I was still very like loyal. And that was like a huge thing that was important to me, like being super loyal and 
all in. Right. Right. Um, but there was someone that I had worked with and he had been there, but I would like, had not been aware of him. And, um, but it was interesting. It was very interesting. The second I got divorced, like he popped right into my brain. Ah. So like my, he registered on some level that was not fully conscious or something. Right. So what is he right then? Like he's a thing up here, right? He was somewhere. He's in, he's in there. He was in there somewhere. And then, so we had um, both wound up in DC and like, so this was probably like a year or two after my divorce, like separation. And we started, we like ended up meeting up. Like he had asked me to join this party because there was a lot of other people. I think that we had worked with like in Korea together. There was a bunch of us there. Um, I didn't make it to that party. He ended up dating someone else. I ended up dating someone else. Okay. Okay. But then I, the, my relationship had ended, but his relationship was still going on. And then we had met up just as friends, just to reconnect or whatever. There was like crazy attraction, mm -hmm. but it wasn't just me. It was like, but I didn't know actually that it was reciprocal um, because he had had a girlfriend we hung yeah. out a couple of times. And then one time before I was about to move to New York, we had met up and he was acting really weird, like super, super weird. And I was like, what is going on? And he was like, oh, I need to check on the dogs or, oh, I need to do this. And I'm like, hey, if you need to go do stuff, like go, like we don't have to have dinner, like go take care of whatever you need to. Right. And then he was like, here's the thing. Like I have feelings for you. Like I... I really like you. He's like, I really like you. And that's a problem because I have this girlfriend. Yeah, it's a problem. And I was like, I really like you too. And which was kind of a cool thing for me. It was like kind of a first where there was like reciprocal, like this kind of attraction. Okay. So we ended up having dinner and, but what we didn't, we weren't, there was no plans to get together or anything, but then something had come up where he had talked about just feeling like he wasn't able to talk about like spiritual things or just things that really mattered to him. He was like, I just feel like I can't talk about them with her. And so after I had moved to New York, like I ended up sending him this email and I was like, maybe you're not that happy in your relationship, you know, like maybe that's why you were sort of, and like, honestly, if he had just left his relationship, I would have been like, I can't see you like you would just like down your really, you know, so it was kind of like an impossible situation. And it wasn't like I was necessarily offering a relationship, but I did. I just said, maybe you're not super happy in your relationship. And he like, that was the Kali thing. He was like very angry. Like he sent me an, an angry email back, essentially letting me know that I had like crossed some kind of line because, you know, um, it was his relationship. Like they had, they had been living together and stuff. And then I think they ended up getting engaged and getting married. But, um, and I don't know, there was like some kind of love addiction, I think some kind of fantasy there. Um, but also it was probably me just like <laughs> giving unsolicited relationship right, so advice. There, so there's some sort of like resonance, right. That you both recognize and you both talk about, but then there's like the part of you that just like kept, uh, like injecting in, right? Like they couldn't stop. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, it wasn't like, yeah, but now that I think about it. Until he's like, you're tap dancing too close to the, yeah, yeah you're like, hey, you know, fuck you, get, get and, back. Yeah, and it's like, I don't even know that I had like plans per se, like, and, and like I said, if he were to have been like, you're right, I'm going to leave her and be with you, I would have been like, you're not coming over here. <laughs> so it was like, and maybe eventually, I don't know, I, I had not really thought it out. But uh, no, it's okay. Well, I mean, like, they're different fantasies. I I don't I do not remember a specific time. Like, but I can remember like emotions, right? Because I I know that like, I know that like I've pushed through a fantasy thing before and and met that uh, restrictive mm-hmm. energy. But when I imagine like you know, like sort of like blurting out through the fantasy, and then like the, the person there being like, okay, that's great. Like I just would have gone with it. You know, it's just like okay, good. Mm-hmm. You know, in a moment, though, in a moment, like, I think that, like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's so fucking crazy because I've done it, like, right at the turns of, like, you get what you want and then, like, it just flips. It just turns, right? It's just like, oh, right. Actually, so, I'm, uh, I was just leaving. You know? <laughs> that's what I, I think. If he had, like, turned around and been like, oh, yeah, let's do this, I would have yeah. been like, Oh, you'd be like. Oh, are, we're just, this is just, we're just pl- you're yeah. barking up the wrong tree here, buddy. Like, yeah. ew, gross. Get it away. The thing that I like to do is just be headed that direction. But if I actually do ever head that direction, I'm actually going the other way. That's right. Just like, so yeah. we're both clear about that. Just so we're clear, this is a fantasy. You're not supposed to actually right. fulfill the fucking fantasy. That's, oh, that's part of it. That's um, like double meta because like I thought that I wanted it, but like I didn't, which is an actual fantasy. Which is like, I feel like super, just that's like so disorganized, you know? It's just a very disorganized or ambivalent. It's confusing, uh, you know, I'll tell you that one. Fearful, avoidant. Yeah, it's like, Jesus. come here, go away. Come closer, come closer. No, no, too close. No, actually go all the way over there. No, no, that too close. That actually feels terrible. <laughs> yeah, that feels bad. Oh, and you being yeah. here feels bad too. Yeah. Actually, it all feels bad. You yeah. suck. What I need you to be doing is constantly changing from every moment, <laughs> like a super stasis. Yeah. Oh, that sounds, that feels good. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess to talk about, I think we've kind of and entitlement. Yeah. No, I think we covered that one, but the rejection piece that like a part of it was oh, not yeah, yeah, wanting yeah. to, especially when someone brings what you, what's the word you say to foist foist <laughs> someone's foisting their fantasy upon me. then I'm like like my brain is doing a lot of different things like I don't want to hurt their feelings there's a part of me that like wants to take care of them and like not reject them but then there's also a part of me that's like if I reject them are they going to be some kind of crazy pants like uh you know bunny boiler like is something gonna go you know what I mean like and and I think that those are legitimate fears too because of things that well, just, you know, women, women, uh, yeah, things, they, bad <laughs> things happening, you know, right. those, so always imagine brain. the worst. And, and so like part of that, like kindness is also out of self-preservation. Like I want to be super kind. So I don't enrage this person that I do not know what their mental state or their capacity for violence or whatever. So it's just like, I just feel like it's kind of a big a big thing in a lot of ways to like, yes, I want to be nice as a human, but I almost wonder like, 
how would I be if I wasn't worried about like being a good Christian, you know, like, like Jesus, or (laughs) if I wasn't worried about like being a nice person, or if I wasn't worried about violence, or if, you know, like, um, I think we were talking about this, this earlier, but like, what would my life be like if I could just show up with complete emotional honesty in like every moment, like, what would that be like? Or what would that look like? You know, I almost can't imagine just being so very super honest. So in my day job, I just run into tons of people, right? Tons of little interactions. And, you know, I've contemplated some of the same things, you know, and for me, it really just follows like, honestly, like, okay, what's the temperature of the pot today? You know, is it Mm -hmm. boiling? Am I like enraged and like uh, having lots of (laughs) unmet needs and feel terrible, well, then I embody terribleness and can be, you know, uh, for a while I've I've actively fucking hated everybody. Mm. Like just see Mm. people and just like, you know, like, oh man, how we can just tear on people, you know? And then as I have like... uh, things change you know and i um, I think i had that phase too definitely where i felt angry and calmed down and i think that like in a calm in a calm we'll just say resourced place that that i actually am giving of spirit right and that like Mm -hmm. i find myself like being uh, gentle with people who maybe need it you know or just uh, generosity of spirit right where you can you know yeah like obviously like if somebody demonstrates they, they don't deserve it like yeah, I don't. I don't have any uh, any problems on like telling somebody to fuck off if that if that's what they really need, you know. But I think that that's like an honest place. Like it changes, you know. I've been a total shit and been an asshole, you know. But I've also like felt like that I've showed up and just been like like calm and solid and giving, you know. Which feels like a, a, like an honest reflection of myself sometimes too. I think that what I strive to do and strive to like mentor is like, how do I show up with like in the kind of self-expression and self-honesty like that I need for me, like, how do I show up there? And then also what Mm -hmm. do I need to like feel safe and do that? Like, so what do I need to feel safe? Like to what extent do I share all of that? That feels like I'm really honoring myself. And then can I do that and like also consider other people and like be kind? You know what I mean? Okay. And so if you're keeping up the first bargain really well, right? It's like how it's like a balance, right? It's like I don't just want to fully I mean, like, I think in some ways, like that is amazing sometimes to just be like, I'm fully like expressing everything without regard but i don't always know if that's super wise you know to always just you know like i think we know how that turns out like we've seen any movies or or stories like people are just totally honest and totally like can be destructive right it can be destructive and so it's like how do i honor this as much as i can how i'm feeling what i need to express like honor this but consider like myself of course with kindness and consider other people with kindness. Sure. That's kind of what I strive. Um, is there another 
bullet point? Uh, we kind of, oh, I wrote, there was this one, which was, which might be a different doc topic of uh, being driven or called mm. repel repulsion compulsion. I don't know how it falls into, well, it might be another topic. Well, I mean, but... it, it comes into expectations and entitlement, just be how, like how it can present, but I don't know. We're sort of like, we're in this a little bit. I think that this feels like a decent stopping point for now. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we could stop because I don't know where we are with time, but the the clock says three hours and 18 minutes. It's not that long. That's not correct. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> but what the only thing I would say about like applying being driven or being pulled mm -hmm. in relationship, like that can definitely apply like in relationship where we can be driven by certain um, instincts that aren't necessarily like the best for us, or we can actually be driven into relationships, certain relationships by our wounding. Absolutely. And so it's like the difference. It's like understanding what's driving our relational choices and doing our best to, to recognize inspiration and love and like being pulled versus being driven towards something. I think making that distinction in like any area of life is, is very important and, and a lot in, in relationships because like our relationships are foundational for so many things. You know, if they say like one of the biggest decisions that a person can make is like who they're married to, because you're connected to this person, you know, and it's, it's, honestly it's the same whether you're married to someone or not or whether you're friends or not the people you surround yourself with are so very important to your your level of being able to like feel safe and regulate and just to be able to deal with like the all the little you know peaks and valleys of life you know and so it's like we need to make sure that we have very solid support systems and that um, that we're able to cultivate really healthy and safe connections. That's, that's my piece. Now you can say your piece. <laughs> I think, I think that's great. Right. The, like, uh, uh, but it's making me think about how, like even the one-on-one about like <laughs> the basic feeling of, being uh compelled to do something you know like because i lived so much of my life right being compelled the into power of christ compels you yeah compels you and it's just completely unconscious right and so that like takes up i would say 98 percent of my bandwidth right that like that's what that's the lead pony that's what's pulling the wagon right and so like have like some conversation about like contextualizing that was like you know, ridiculous totally ridiculous i had no idea what was happening you know uh w would you say wait for some reason like the word obligation is coming up is that like the same flavor or is that a bit different i don't know uh i mean it is obligatory just because it's it's like what gets to be in control right that the, the, there's just like there is almost like no autonomy or like almost no self to happen just because of the drives that were sort of like compelling me like you know 
tugging me by the end of my nose. And so, like, uh, you know, having some sort of, like, abstract, uh, you know, higher-minded idea about, like, oh, the people around me are, the you know, the uh, are really important and help, you know, make my make my environment, you know. It's just, like, real life is just, like, so far removed from mm. being able to, like, begin to even have that conversation or to think that way, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's my, I'm like squirming over here when you're, yeah, saying, yeah, no, like totally. And I'm glad you brought that up because that could be a big source of shame for someone to be like, Oh, why am I choosing to like hang around healthy people? Or why am I just moving towards this dysfunction when it's dysfunction? But it's like, we all start in a place of just what's familiar and like, we just do the best we can. So it's right. like, yeah. And yeah. Cause, Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's like a really difficult place to like, be able to come to like, to, to get to that place where you're like consciously choosing relationships mm -hmm. is not an easy thing. Like at all, like that, that's like mastery. That's like, I don't even, that's like penthouse suite, like sitting on the top of the mountain going, <laughs> Wow, I've done it. I see it all. This is this is great, you know. Um, but I think we just get there like little by little by just having more awareness and then trying to take action and just do a little, just do a little better, just try, you know, and like release the pressure. But I'm yeah, I think it's important that you that you brought that up because totally I have totally been in many relationships and situationships where I just felt like I was being compelled or pulled by this like fish hook like in my solar mm. plexus just pulling me like mm. like almost energetically just feeling the addictive nature of like oh, what yeah. my stuff was and it was just being like oh, yeah. almost like is there a movie where it's like a beam and then they like get caught in the tractor beam and just like pulls them you yeah know? it's called star trek Oh yes, yes, that that Star Trek tractor beam. Yeah. So being like pulled in, right? Oh, like yeah. a tractor beam or whatever. Like you just can't um, you know, or like the dark crystal, you can't look away. Yes, you cannot <gasps> look away. It's it's that's way more what it feels like. I, I like that it's like it's so sticky and inside of your being and encompassing. Mm. Uh that <laughs> My birth out of that like sticky situation is just like light speed, shearing pain, just like peeling mm. off the skin of all that stuff. And just like, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> birth by like, it's like birth by death. It's like, you know, just mm -hmm. searing pain into something like that. Like, I don't know. Oh, God, I'm still alive, you know? Uh, oh, it's like, oh, I get it. It's a big you just, Yeah. You just touched on something somewhere. Birth by death. It, like totally right you know you, you you said something about creation too or being creative too and this like the spirit mm -hmm. of creativity which mm -hmm. i think is uh uh what i want to talk about like how it feels you know it's like uh, it's like uh if, if you could sort of describe the feeling to somebody like you know it's oh it's like this and then they could like you know as it comes to them in their own life they could be you know like, be like, oh, that's it. That's what that feels like. You, know? you mean like 
describe what the creative so you're talking about compulsion process? compulsion or what was like inspiration word? like being pulled by inspiration pulled by inspiration as opposed to by right. compulsion to Ooh. just Oh, I feel like it's another conversation. Okay, let's write it down. <laughs> Jesus. We'll write it down and then we'll discuss it on another podcast. All right. I mean, because I feel like, oh God, there's just so much there. No, there's, there's, yeah, it's good. It's juicy. So we'll leave this as a, a special cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh my God. And we know where we're going. And we know what we're doing. We totally know what we're doing. Uh huh. We're professional. <laughs> Professionally fucking lost. All right. Cool. All right. Well, it was nice talking with you, Angela. Yeah, always. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening and subscribing and tuning in and commenting, like submitting your Yeah, I mean, like, a, and... so far, our format is just, like, riffing, writing down, like, a few bullet points or just, like, they're post to pass on the way that, you know, on our way through point mm -hmm. A to point B. So getting some other like sort of juicy uh, sort of destinations for sure. Yeah. 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 Food for yeah. thought. So. Requests, all that, all that welcome and, right. and feedback as long as it's considerate. <laughs> and if it's not, then we won't. We won't. We won't. Yeah. We yeah. have boundaries. <laughs> All right, cool.